0: Three.
1: stage of humility is to keep the sacred nature of consciousness and the world in which it exists always alive within us. Everything we think, everything we do, everything we feel is cast in time forever. Every moment that we live is irreplaceable. Therefore, each moment is hallowed. We must be on guard against despair, against fear, against bitterness, against self-seeking, and have the tenacity Encourage to think optimistically and act affirmatively from always we begin again the benedictine way of living by john mcquiston
2: god of mercy we pray for a moment or a half hour where we can center ourselves in you or we might say radically expand our perspective. And if we cannot slow down for that long because the needs seem too pressing, help us listen for you while we work. And if we cannot focus on anything for five minutes, we pray that you will find a way to get through to
3: us anyway. Amen. Won't you please join us in singing Power in the Blood. It's on page 19 of your House of Mercy Hymnal. Would you be free from the burden of sin? This power in
2: we pray that all the toil and fire and organizing and protesting will not be for nothing we pray that there will be psychic and physical relief for black indigenous people of color in the United States that the systems of oppression will begin to fall we pray that this generation we will leave something good for the next, that there will be something new under the sun, that all things will not be wearisome more than can be expressed. We pray that the eye will be satisfied with seeing one or two times a day at least. We pray that the ear will be satisfied with hearing the birds or a song even in the midst of tragedy. God in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for those whose mental health problems are exacerbated in light of all that is happening in the world. For those whose coping mechanisms are breaking down. We pray that people will be able to be with the ones they love and that the lonely not be so alone we pray for relief from depression and anxiety even when there is so much to be depressed and anxious about we pray for breaks in the clouds warmth from the sun small pleasures to sustain us god in your mercy hear our prayer god of mercy Thank you that humans can be generous and kind, that we're capable of loving each other and making such a wide variety of beautiful things. Bread and pies and street art and quilts and children and gardens energize us all to create what we can and give what we can. Help us feel that what we can do is worthwhile. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
4: The scripture reading for today is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To a place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. I, the teacher, when king over Israel and Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a chasing after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And those who increase knowledge increase sorrow. The word of the Lord. Amen.
1: This guy? This guy. We've got to listen to this guy. At this time and this place, in this space, in all this chaos, in all this deep sorrow, loss, outrage, eruptions in this time, when unheard voices are possibly pushing their way through the dominant drone, the subdominant din, changing the tonic, changing the tonic, and the chord changes. Maybe it didn't seem possible. But it is beginning to seem possible. These possibilities that have not reached the ears of the majority have not been considered by the lawn mowing, car washing, average folks of good intention. These considerations of the conditions, of the reparations, possibilities, these possibilities are coming through now. And we have to listen to this guy? They sound to me here, this guy, they sound to me like the contemplations of a man bored with his own privilege, a man impressed by the weight of his own existence, sitting by the side of the still waters, staring at his reflection so long, he thinks that this is what the whole world looks like. All of existence is a projection mirroring his mind, reflection substituting for imagination, a projection reflection of himself so consuming it blocks out what could easily be seen by simply turning his head to the right by turning his head slightly to the left all he knows is what he knows and believes that to be all that can be known and has all, and he has the audacity to proclaim with profundity that it is not enough no shit Vanity of vanities, this guy says. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. The first thing any commentary or biblical criticism says about the book of Ecclesiastes is, why is this book in the Bible? How does this make it into the canon? And then they go on to describe all the ways that Ecclesiastes differs theologically and philosophically from the major ideological impulses and arcs found in the rest of the Hebrew and Christian Bible. They not only point out the book's general existential hopelessness of the human project, but also the very different understanding of God in the book. The God of Genesis created humanity in God's own image and imbued them with a divine mission to be fruitful and multiply and continue the unfolding creation until creation's ultimate achievement to live in the eternal presence of God. In Ecclesiastes, creation is not linear it's cyclical. It does not move from glorious start to an unending perfection. It is an unending repetition. The sun rises and the sun goes down. The sun rises and the sun goes down. The waters flow from the river to into the sea and the sea is not filled and the river is not depleted. God, this guy says, has cursed humanity with the knowledge that there is nothing new, nothing changes, that the rich and the poor, the wise and the foolish all end up in the grave, dead and forgotten. I think that's a pretty accurate reading of this text. I mean, there's no surprise ending where the guy realizes that love and mercy and community are the real meaning of life, and God will gather all of us up into God's arms and cuddle us forever. Well, there's a little bit of that at the end of the book, but it's clearly a much later addition, meant to make sense of the nihilism and to explain... I'm just going to keep going. I think it's a pretty accurate reading of the text. There's no surprise ending where the guy realized that love and mercy and community are the real meaning of life and that God will gather us all up into God's arms to cuddle us forever. Well, there's a little bit of that at the end of the book, but it's clearly a much later addition meant to make sense of the nihilism to explain away the existential pratfalls into the abyss. No, the writer, the guy if they are one and the same, really thinks that this is what life looks like. And the inclusion of this book in the canon has always thrilled me, given me confidence in our holy book that it can contain the fullest expression of doubt and despair without apology, without the happy ending, that it can leave the hopelessness hanging. It makes me trust the holy book because it's an honest expression of what a lot of folks have thought, have felt. And it is not... That common of, an, of a conclusion. The most common English, common English translation of the famous opening of this book is vanity of vanities, all is vanity, and chasing after the wind. But a more accurate translation is the merest breath. All is the merest breath and hurting the wind. Robert Alter, the Hebrew scholar, says what is meant by merest breath is something like what you can see when it's a little cold out cold enough for you to just barely see your breath and then it's gone. That's how inconsequential meaning and life are. That is what this guy wants to express. I defer to Robert Alter, of course, in all matters of translation, but there's something about the original King James translation of vanity, vanity of vanities, it's, that's helpful to me. It is an expression both that everything, all of life, any search for meaning is in vain. In vain, exhausted, empty, fruitless, pointless, to no avail, to no effect, to no purpose, meaningless, which is what this guy is fully trying to express, but vanity also sort of expresses who this guy is for most of the interpretive history of uh, Ecclesiastes it's been attributed to uh, King Solomon, son of David, based on the first verse that the word the words of Quelleth is what it says, the son of David, king of Jerusalem, this is the, how it opens. And it continues to reference wisdom and the search for wisdom. And Solomon, of course, is very famous for how wise he was. Uh, verses 12 through 15 say, When I was king over Israel in Jerusalem, I applied my mind to seek and to search out All that is done under heaven is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. The dating of the text makes it impossible to have been Solomon who wrote this as well as some other factors, but clearly it's written by someone from a point of view Someone who has great privilege, somebody with great power, a philosopher king. And this rich and powerful, wise, educated philosopher king studied all that there was to study, examined history and poetry, and observed the natural world, the ways of man and animal, the rising of the sun and its going down, and found that there is nothing new and that all of creation is without meaning. Talk about vanity the arrogance with which this guy proclaims the pointlessness of existence, the complete confidence this guy has in his own ability to discern reality. He is saying, listen, everybody, I know, I know, I looked into everything, and I'm telling you, there's nothing new, and it's all meaningless. We're all going to end up the same way, dead and rotting in the grave, whether you're rich or poor, wise or fool, the same. For such a wise guy, he is so clearly blinded by his own arrogance. His vanity has affected his basic reasoning skills. He is so convinced by the absoluteness of his evaluation of reality, he cannot see what he lacks. His conclusions lack nuance, lack perspective, lack humility. This guy, this guy, he says, I know there's nothing new under the sun. It's all chasing after wind. And, sure, while there might not be anything new under the sun, that is not the same as claiming that you have seen all the possibilities that are under the sun. One can say nothing is new without claiming that one has seen all the things there are. While the way the world works, the way plants grow, and humans form communities, and climates heat up and cool, and species evolve and go extinct, seem to have always happened... They haven't always happened in the same way, with the same meaning, with the same value. And, of course, things seem to always be seen the same from this guy's perspective. From his perspectives, he's seen everything he can see from where he's at, from the top, from the pinnacle. The lack of humility that assumes that the perspective from the top from his privilege, is literally the only perspective, the only way from which to understand the machinations of existence, is absurd. This guy is so offended that he is going to end up the same way as poor people and fools. He finds life meaningless because he can't find anything new to think about. Furthermore, he believes because... This guy finds all this meaningless that it is meaningless for the rest of humanity, all humans who ever lived. This guy. Can you believe it? Now let this guy be the American experiment. Has there ever been a greater civilization on Earth? Has there ever been a greater realization of democracy in history? This most egalitarian, free, and noble form of government there ever was? We know. We know that it is. How do we know? We have the greatest institutions of higher learning in the world. We know because the experiment has given birth to and nurtured capitalism, which has buoyed so many. Capitalism, while not perfect, it and nobody would claim that it is, it is not perfect, but it is the best of any other possibility. Communism didn't last. Socialism was a joke. Feudalism was a moral atrocity. Yes, capitalism, the best hope for everyone, even the poor and the uneducated. We've looked and we've studied, and there's not a better way. And sometimes we need to protect it from those who can't understand or who seek to destroy it. Sometimes we need more money for more police. That's how it works. It's not perfect. But, you know, we've looked and we've studied, and there's no other way. Of course, it looks like there's no other way from the perspective of the privilege and the power. We see the same thing over and over again. Let this guy be us. We can only see from where we stand. We mostly stand at the top looking down. Or it has mostly worked for us to trust the people who are on the top looking down. But that has never, never worked for everyone. It has never worked for most of the people in our experiment. When I first heard that Minneapolis going to defund the police, I was shocked because I'd never heard of it before. I couldn't conceive of what it might look like to defund the police. I mean, in all my liberal-mindedness and progressive bon vivance, when people said we need more money for more police, I was like, yeah, let's, we need to raise taxes to get more money for more police. I never thought, no, let's defund the police. I never really deal with the police. I mean, maybe we need to hear from the people that do deal with the police regularly. There's so many other possibilities under the sun that cannot be seen from the perspective of the king. A society formed solely on what it looks like from the perspective of the people on top does not work. This American experiment has failed. Let's try something different probably not new in all human history, but let all of us at the top and that benefit from the people at the top shut up. Let's shut up and listen to the possibilities that we could never see from where we stand.
2: On the night he was given over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you, And shed for all people For the forgiveness of sin Do this and remember me
0: Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 22 How Can You Refuse Him Now By Hank Williams There's a story That has often been told Of how our Savior died As they nailed His hands He cried, they don't understand As the blood flowed from His side How can you refuse Him now? How can you refuse him now? How can you turn away from his side? With tears in his eyes, on the cross there he died. How can you refuse Jesus now? As he hung, for you and me. There was no one his pain to ease. Before he died, he faintly cried, Father, forgive them, please. How can you How can you refuse him now? How can you turn away from his
3: side?
0: With tears.
2: go into the world with love. Do justice when you can, and be merciful. Know that you are entirely surrounded by the love of God. Go in peace. Amen.